0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: Stephen Colbert here to tell you about the Late Show Pod show, which is our podcast for the Late Show with my producer Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast?
0: I've been producing this podcast for two years now.
1: and your favorite thing about
0: it. The extended moments for sure.
1: Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for 25 minutes and we can only put like 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that?
0: On the Late Show Pod show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And who produces that?
0: Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort. July 25th, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
2: tonight is an entrepreneur and a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate. Andrew Yang is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's show, you're not having enough kids, animals are out of control, and why your parents might be moving in with you. So let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's kick it off with a crazy video from an airport in Atlanta because we all hate going through the security line at TSA, but one toddler found an interesting way around it. Now to a toddler's
0: wild ride at Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. This two-year-old climbs onto the baggage belt and disappears in an instant. The toddler caught up with all the other bags where he enters and passes through an X-ray machine. His horrifying travels then send him into a massive bag room where workers quickly discover him riding down the belt and rush to his rescue. Spirit Airlines says the boy passed by a section of our ticket counter that was not staffed or open at the time. I
1: was just freaking out, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I hope
0: he's okay. I hope he's just enjoying the
2: ride. Yo, that mom is really chilled. I hope he was having a good ride? Because if I was a parent, that experience would have terrified me because the airline could have charged me for extra check-in luggage. Like, (laughs) that's scary. And can I say, if I didn't see that video, I wouldn't believe the story at all, because it sounds like the plot of one of those Baby's Day Out movies, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like, the kid goes in, and then he's in the cargo, and then ends up in Paris, and then somehow, a cat burglar at the Louvre gets stopped committing a crime, and then they make the baby the president of France. Like, you did it, baby, you did it. (laughs) And honestly, honestly, I even got a little scared when I saw the boy going through the x-ray machine, but it turns out it's not actually that dangerous. And it's also how they found out that he was full of cocaine. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and just by the way, by the way, by the way, uh, raise your hand if you were not surprised at all when they said it was Spirit Airlines. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Of course it was Spirit Airlines. I bet this wasn't even an accident. I bet the kid just found out that his parents were flying Spirit and he was like, oh, hell no. It's like, I'll take my chances with the luggage. Spirit Airlines, the cargo hold is our first class. (laughs) Moving on. If you saw the video of that toddler and thought, I don't ever want the stress of having kids, well, it turns out you aren't the only one.
0: The fertility rate in the United States falling to an all-time low. The number of births nationwide has been on the decline in recent years, but a study by the Centers for Disease Control says the general fertility rate dropped 2% among girls and women 15 to 44 between 2017 and 2018. That is the lowest number of births in about three decades, and according to the CDC, the fertility rate is now below the level needed to replace the existing population. Ah,
2: that's right, fertility in America has now reached an all-time low, which means people aren't having kids. More people aren't having kids. More people aren't having multiple kids. I bet when Donald Trump saw this, he was like, yep, many of us don't have kids. Many of us, no kids. And Eric was like, dad, you have me. He's like, like I said, we don't have kids. No kids. Now, I have uh, a few theories about why this is happening. First of all, climate change. Yeah, because it's getting way too hot to have sex. Honestly, (laughs) I spent last weekend just spooning my AC. I was just like, yeah. Just me and you. But uh, I think another problem is the terminology that scientists use. Cause did you hear them? They were like, there aren't enough kids born to replace the current population. (laughs) That's us. (laughs) What do you mean replace the current pop? They make it sound like if you have a baby, the baby's gonna look up at you in the maternity ward and be like, time's up old man. (laughs) And finally, this is a pretty crazy story. Being a policeman can be a really stressful job. You know, you have to chase criminals, you have to solve crimes, and you have to help white people ask their neighbor to turn down their volume. But for cops in New York, now they've got a whole new worry that's disturbing the cops.
1: Outrage among NYPD union leaders and the mayor after NYPD officers were doused with buckets of water during an arrest.
2: A crowd in Harlem throws buckets and pours water on officers in the middle of making an arrest. In a separate incident, another video shows it happening again. Bystanders laugh and record videos, but no one helps.
1: The man dumping the blue bucket is a known gang member. He's since turned himself into police.
2: Okay, I don't even know how to process this information. People are pouring buckets of water on the police. First of all, can we commend those police for being way calmer (laughs) than any of us would have been in that situation? For real. For real, kudos to them. Because we've seen people get shot for doing much less than this. And also, those gang members are lucky that those police were calm, and they're lucky that those police weren't black women. You pour water on a black woman's hair, my friends, she will shoot you and then read you your Miranda rights, your dead body. She'd be like, your dead ass has the right to remain silent. (laughs) Now, this is a messed up story. It's a messed up story, but it's a testament to New York's strict gun laws. Because think about it, right? These gangsters had water, wouldn't we all want to live in a world where gang members only had access to water? It would be a completely different world. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. In the Democratic primary campaign, each candidate is trying to carve out a signature issue to run on. Kirsten Gillibrand is talking about gender equality. Jay Inslee is promoting his plan for climate change. And Beto O'Rourke is laser focused on doing the sickest kickflip you've ever seen. This is for my muchachos at the border. (laughs) But there's one issue that all the major Democrats are talking about,
0: student debt. It is one of the biggest issues right now on the campaign trail, student loan debt, affecting millions of Americans struggling to keep up with their payments. This is a national
1: crisis, student loan crisis. Student loan debt is something we have got to deal with as a priority. Elizabeth Warren is officially introducing a bill aimed at eliminating student debt for tens of millions of Americans.
0: Bottom line is we should not be punishing
1: people for getting
0: a higher education. It is time to hit the reset button.
1: I
2: love Bernie so much, man. Huh? <laughs> this is straight. Time to re- hit the reset button. Which, by the way, is always what it looks like he's doing when he speaks. You know, it's just <laughs> time to hit the reset, but hit the reset button on the Wi-Fi. Hit the reset button on student debt. We have to hit every button within arm's length. All the buttons. All of the buttons. Hit them all. But yes, the Democratic candidates led by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are all proposing different ways to combat student debt. And the reason this is such a big issue is because America is drowning in student debt like never before.
1: This year, student loan debt reached an all-time high of $1.4 trillion. Nearly 70% of students had to take out loans to make it through college. On average, each student graduated about $30,000 in debt.
0: One of the things that makes student loan debt such a drag on the economy is that it's so hard to get rid of. That's right. In many ways, student debt
2: is the new herpes. <laughs> Almost everybody has it. It stays with you your whole life. And eventually you're going to have to tell your fiancé about it. <laughs> you're like, so there's this thing I picked up in college. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Student debt isn't just a financial burden. It's also making it hard for people to grow up.
1: Nearly 50% of millennials have delayed buying a home or saving for retirement due to student loan debt. 17% have delayed getting married. The amount of adults in their late 20s living with their parents or grandparents is the highest it has been in over 75 years. Living with his parents in Verona, New Jersey is not what 23-year-old Anthony DeCandia envisioned after graduating from college last year. But then again, he didn't envision being $80,000 in student debt either. Obviously, I love my family. I love the free food, and I love my dog, but I'm just ready to move on and live on my own.
2: Yeah, man, this kid is not special. He's not alone. Across the country, college grads are being forced to move back in with their parents because of crippling student debt. Even that dog, (laughs) That dog wanted to move out, but he's still paying off loans from obedience school, yeah. (laughs) Oh, who's a broke boy? Who's a broke boy? <laughs> it's not real debt, calm down. You goes like, oh, the debt of that dog. <laughs> so student debt is seriously hampering the lives of young people across the United States. But before you start rolling your eyes at these whiny millennials, remember, just like herpes, student debt doesn't discriminate by age.
1: Student loan debt is also crushing senior citizens. Americans 60 and over are carrying $86 billion in student loan debt. Baby boomers are paying off student loans into their
0: 60s, 70s, and beyond. Because of student loans, We are literally driving tens of thousands of older Americans into poverty. They will literally seize your social security benefit.
1: Student loans are structured to be paid over a very long period of time. They have no statute of limitations, which means that they follow you. They can
2: follow you till you die. God damn. Student loans can follow you until you die? We hope that's where it stops. (laughs) Oh, it would suck if you were still paying off your loans in heaven, you know? Jesus and Martin Luther King Jr. are like, hey, we're gonna go ride unicorns. You wanna come? And you're like, oh, I can't. I gotta work a shift at Blockbuster. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's Blockbusters in heaven. That's, That's where they are now. Miss you, Blockbuster. The point is, the point is, student debt is affecting everyone. Young people, old people, the village people. I mean, why do you think they were living at the YMCA? So whether you're a parent or a kid, there is a good chance that student debt is negatively affecting your quality of life. Because old people are losing social security and young adults are being forced to move back in. In fact, if something drastic doesn't change, it's going to reshape the American family forever. And it's going to reshape all of those family TV shows.
1: He can't afford
0: his student loans. He's got no job. He moved back home. Entire family is screwed. Meet the debts. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> hey, mom and dad, I'm moving back home because I can't afford to pay my student loans. Sonny, what's in this? A box
2: of bowling balls? My unpaid bills. <laughs> <laughs>
0: surprising new bodily fluid you can sell for cash.
2: Mom, Dad, there's a weird guy in my room. That's Pete. You have to sublet your room to make ends meet. No way, I want my own room. You want to start paying rent?
0: Hey Pete, I call Top bunk.
1: <laughs> hey, I'm a school loan debt collector, open the door. Hey, uh, get over here, come on. You're not
0: the only one with student loan debt. Find your own damn spot. Stupid-ass master's degree. And but one way to get out of this student loan debt.
1: Honey, don't. You know we can't afford the funeral.
2: You make a great point.
0: Hey, Dad. Thanks for selling your kidney to pay off my student loans. Oh. Oh. It's nothing. I guess I love my kid more than my kidney. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Hope my guys are hungry.
0: Wait a minute, steak? How we pay for that?
1: Oh, we didn't. It's liver.
0: <laughs> <Jesus laughs> Here's
2: his. Jr. Desi Light and Jabuki on White, everybody. We'll be
1: right back. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about the Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for the Late Show with my producer Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast?
0: I've been producing this podcast for two years now.
1: And your favorite thing about it?
0: The extended moments, for sure.
1: Right, because sometimes I'll interview, like, a big star for 25 minutes, and we can only put, like, 14 minutes on air. Where can people get that?
0: On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And who produces that?
0: Uh, I, I help out. It's a team effort.
2: My guest tonight is an entrepreneur and founder of Venture for America. He's also running for president of the United States. Please welcome Andrew Yang.
0: Thank you guys. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank can you so I, can much Can I for
2: just say, me. of all the candidates I've seen on the trail, you seem to be having the most fun, are you? Oh, it's a very low bar, you set, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? You are. You're, like, out there. You've got, like, cool music. You're, like, rapping at, like, campaign events. It feels like Andrew Yang. You're just, like, you're having a good time whilst you're putting out your policy proposals. The only place where you didn't seem like you were having fun was at the debates where I think you had two minutes and 53 seconds of total time that you spoke uh, what are you gonna do differently in the next one to get more time? You're gonna, you're gonna cough? You're gonna, like, interject? <laughs> or you're gonna... I'm assuming you weren't happy.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm really happy to say, though, that the debate in Detroit next week is gonna be a very different story. Uh, not only is the format really set up for us to succeed, but right. we just got a poll just now that puts us on path to the path to qualify for the debates in September as well. So right. the debates is a whole string, and unlike a lot of the other candidates, we're in great position to be here the entire way.
2: So you're running a long-term race. You know, you've come in as um, somewhat of an outsider. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You come from Silicon Valley. That is your world. And many of your policies have been aimed at or from that direction. One of the biggest ones being you've been called, for some, the doomsday candidate, where you've said, guys, if we don't do something about robots and AI, then it's over for human beings. What do you mean when you say this to people?
0: Well, I looked at the numbers. I did the math around what happened to many of the manufacturing workers in the Midwest that, in my view, ended up electing Donald Trump. Yes. And the trends that affected those communities are now going to affect retail workers, which is the number one job in the United States. It's going to start hitting truck drivers in the next number of years, and driving a truck is the most common job in 29 states. Wow. And one of the things that I say is, like, look, when you call a customer service line right now, you get that operator. In a few years, it's going to be an AI that sounds like this hey, how's it going, Trevor? What can I do for you? That's creepy. But it's yeah. creepy,
2: <laughs> um, but what's that going But you to think mean? it's going to get that good? You think it's going to get to the point where even human jobs are now completely done by AI and robots?
0: Certainly, a lot of the business process jobs. Yes. There are two and a half million Americans who uh, do customer service for a living right now, mm-hmm. and that job's days are numbered, unfortunately. So then, what do you what do you think you do in, in that circumstance? Do you put a tax on robots?
2: Do you do you protect <laughs> the workers? This is an honest proposal. It sounds yeah, no, funny. Don't laugh. <laughs> no, That's it sounds funny. No, it's actually a good idea. It, it's actually like an honest proposal. Like, what what do you say to American workers who go, "Hey, I don't have a job, and and I wanna I wanna
0: I wanna change this." That's exactly right. Amazon right now is closing 30% of America's stores and malls and paying zero in taxes. So what we do is we set up a mechanism where the American people get our fair share of every Amazon sale, every Google search, every robot truck mile, and put a dividend into Americans' hands of $1,000 a month. The freedom dividend would help all Americans feel like we're benefiting from all of the progress and innovation. That's an interesting and... and, uh... Yeah, a lot of people like that.
2: Because, I mean, uh, it, it takes guts to come out and say, the, my plan is that we will give every single American $1,000 a month just for being here.
0: Yeah, it's like Monopoly, but instead of passing Go, uh, it's the first of the month.
2: You just get... Yeah, but now, but now here's the thing. I don't know if you've played Monopoly. It always ends in tears. Um, and that's what people are saying would happen if you gave people universal basic income. You know, yes, the smaller countries, have trialed it. But they have found, for instance, in some Scandinavian countries, that then people don't work enough or they don't want to work. They lose ambition. There is a negative effect to that. How do you pay for it? And how do you ensure that it doesn't mean people just don't contribute to society?
0: Well, when I've looked at all of the studies as to what happened when people got money, only two groups worked less. New mothers who spend more time with their children and teenagers who spend more time in school and graduate at higher levels. I don't think anyone here has a problem with either (laughs) And then how do you pay for it? And, and the way you pay for it, again, if you have a trillion-dollar tech company like Amazon paying zero in taxes, then, of course, you're going to look around and be like, where's the money going? Where's the right. money going? But if you give the American people a slice of every Amazon sale, every uh, AI-driven interaction, yes. just a sliver, because the amount of value that that technology is going to generate can literally be measured in the hundreds of billions of dollars... Right. We have to put ourselves in a position to benefit and then we can pay for a dividend of $1,000 a month.
2: But how is this different to tax? Because I mean, isn't that what tax is supposed to be? Everyone getting a slither of what people make so that the general society can rise up? I mean, if they find a way to not pay what you're saying, why would, you know what I mean? They don't pay
0: now, why would they pay then? Well, the, the great thing is I'm friendly with a lot of the technologists and they're not evil people. If you say to them, hey, you automating away the jobs? and you're in private, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. That sounds evil to me. Well, they're not doing it deliberately. It's just, like, a repercussion it, of their work. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. And then if you say to them, would you like to give up a slice so that America actually is in position to share and benefit? You know what they say to me? They say, no one's ever asked me that before. So what we have to do is we have to give them... Really, in, in this case, actually, we're not going to give them a choice. We're just going to make it happen. Right. But, <laughs> but half of them are on board with it. Because they're parents, they're Americans. Right. Many of them came from other parts of the country. And so they understand what's happening more than most other people do in terms of the economic impact. That's interesting that they've never been asked. Because I I
2: met Jeff Bezos and I didn't think of just saying, can I have some of your money? <laughs> we don't think of these things.
0: Yeah, maybe we should have asked him. We
2: genuinely don't think of that. Um, you are tackling this whole campaign from a different point of view. Uh, one of... Uh, my favorite quotes that you said was, you said, um, you are the complete opposite of Donald Trump. And the reason was... Because
0: the... <laughs> listen to the reason why. Because the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes math.
2: Do you think math helps you in, in, in campaigning? Because it no, because it feels like Americans like more of the show, Americans like more of, of the celebrity as opposed to the numbers and the percentages. Do you think you can break through with just the math of what you're proposing?
0: What's fun is math is now an acronym that stands for "Make America Think Harder." <laughs> and yeah! It certainly) not immigrants that are driving these economic problems. It's the fact that our economy is now progressing to a point where things have changed fundamentally. And when I go around uh, to people in Ohio, New Hampshire, there's actually a huge appetite for this type of solution. People say to me all the time, you don't sound like any politician I've ever heard before, and they love it. They're not like, oh, get me a politician. Fast. (laughs) (laughs) What they say is, you don't sound like any other politician, and this is what we need. So there is such a a massive... uh, market need. I'm an entrepreneur, and so you see there's a market need. In this case, I saw that our politicians were not going to address the elephant in the room, so to speak. Right. And so I decided to to run for president.
2: Well, it's going to be exciting to see you at the next debate. I hope you make it to the next one, and the next one, because it's fun having you around.
1: Stephen Colbert here to tell you about the Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast for the Late Show with my producer Becca. Uh, Becca, how long have you been producing this podcast?
0: I've been producing this podcast for two years now.
1: And your favorite thing about it?
0: The extended moments, for sure.
1: Right, because sometimes I'll interview like a big star for twenty-five minutes, we can only put like fourteen minutes on air. Where can people get that?
0: On the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And who produces that?
0: Uh, I I help out. It's a team effort.